0: Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, and independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford.
1: Hi, Kat. Uh, you said the words like uh, Great American Classic and Fast and Furious together, and now I can't stop laughing inside of myself.
0: Vin Diesel uh, spoke of Fast and Furious and Tolkien in the same breath, so you know what oh, he's thinking with this series. <laughs> <Good laughs> you know, inseparable. I think of Fast and Furious, I think of Tolkien. Yeah, I... I just saw Fast 10 recently, and I can confirm it's not a good movie, but however, there's only one way to watch it. In a movie theater where everybody is in on the joke and laughing and cheering at every successfully stupider thing that is happening on the screen. Um, and we're all, we were all dressed to the nines because it was a black tie event for Fast 10. I don't even Why know. Why was <laughs> That's, that was part of the joke. It's like, oh, okay. yeah, it's like, well, wow, this is like such a momentous event. We better get really dressed up. Um, Travis Northup, uh, who freelances for IGN, was wearing a tux and he uh, he rented an Alamo draft house in San Francisco. <laughs> Made oh, my it a God. Whole thing. It was actually pretty great. That sounds pretty really fun, it. actually. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, also joining me is my equally lovely co-host, Eric Van Allen.
2: Hello. Uh, You know, when you think of the great American films, you think of things like Fast and Furious, you know, our greatest cultural exports here. So truly, you have to honor that occasion.
0: Truly. I'm actually surprised there aren't more movies like Fast and Furious because they realized the secret combination is if you combine superheroes with cars that drive real fast, superhero supercars superheroes and supercars you got well you got something and then you add in a little vin diesel
2: uh mango mango in the chat has it right that there is one other series arguably a better series uh the mission impossible series that's true it's true yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: i got a big fast and furious crash course this past week thanks to uh amy who's one of our stars of destiny and uh so i was able to properly enjoy the great american epic that is fast 10 but we're not here to talk about Vin Diesel, we're here to talk about RPGs. Yes, this week we will be talking more about The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Don't at me about whether or not it's an RPG, Uh, because that's what everybody's talking about. We've all had a decent amount of time with it at this point, so we're just going to chill out, talk about the game du jour, look ahead to the Summer Game Fest as well. But before we get to that... If you uh, want to support the podcast, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, go and rate and review us on the podcatcher of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore cap Naughty is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. We're on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Pod where for just $1 a month, you can get access ad-free and also access to our Discord. And we have tons of Bonus episodes, including special episodes of Charlie and Dropouts, the Pantheon of the Blood God, and coming up soon, our Book of Korra, or Summer of Korra, um, wrap-up for Season 1. I'm sure we're going to have plenty to discuss on that one. And if you like merch, shop.bloodgodpod.com. Okay, let's get started with our main quest, which this week is talking about tears of the kingdom some more how far is everybody how are we enjoying it i'll start with you nadia uh
1: well see i have a problem in that i've been playing solid 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 all week like far longer what? than i play most video oh, games you, as in like you just that's all you're doing you're just playing
0: yeah, tears of the kingdom that's what you're all in okay
1: and i've i don't even think i i, I maybe like lit up half the overworld map and Maybe a little bit of the underworld map and I've finished one dungeon. So uh, I got my ass in gear because Final Fantasy XIV's patch is coming out this week. So uh, hustle, hustle. But I'm really having a great time.
0: How about you, Eric?
2: Yeah, I'm uh, I've done two temples. I'm in the middle of the third right now. Uh, I've lit up the whole overworld map. I've been working on the depths. I did like the full main quest chain that's down there. And did some other stuff as well. I did a bunch of quests. I've been doing a lot of side quests. Really like the the Luralin stuff, the Hateno stuff, um, the different stuff you do for the Lucky Clover Gazette. uh, Where you go to the different stables and do side quests there. Uh, And yeah, this this game is massive. And it's like I I kind of don't want to be playing fast through it uh but number 1 i have done enough story stuff and have found enough story stuff that now i really really want to know what happens in the story because yeah i know that feel I, you know we're we're going to try and keep it largely like story spoiler free here um but there is uh you know another mechanic here that is like a memory style mechanic much like breath of the wild had and by the time you finish that If you are anything like me, you're going to desperately want to know what the heck is going to happen (laughs) yeah, (laughs) at the conclusion of the story and where the story is going, Um, because it is wild. And uh, so now I just I have that nagging feeling in the back of my head, along with like Nadia was saying, there's a lot of games coming out soon. This is a very like stacked release window. Um, Diablo is just around the corner. Street Street Fighter Fighter. Uh, oh yeah. This little
0: game you may have heard of called Final Fantasy 16.
2: Yeah. There's there's like no shortage of video games coming out in the next Too month. many video and
0: games. I'm still playing Jedi Survivor. Ah.
2: Yeah. So part of me is like I want to at least see the story through of this game to get that down. And and then maybe, you know, as I come back to it, I'll work on stuff like mapping out all the depths and and doing some of the other side quests I didn't get around to. So I'm I'm kind of torn in between that and obviously also doing like guides work for destructoid as has sent me into a lot of like side tangents and stuff like that but um yeah i love this game this game is really good really really good
0: can confirm tears of the kingdom is very good anybody who managed to finish it this week and there are a decent number of people i know who managed have. to actually knock it out i i salute you this game is enormous. I feel like I've sat down like last year with Elden Ring. I feel like I've sat down Exactly. Yeah. to this huge multi-course feast.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's
0: almost mm-hmm. overwhelming at times. I'm like, "What do I There's too much to do. What do I do next?" Um and I have not finished the first temple. I'm it, it I'm I'm there. I could probably go do it now, I think. But I've spent a lot of time doing shrines, exploring, I've been in the sky. I've been in the depths. I've been opening up different areas of the world, uh, unlocking side quests, I'm getting some cool weapons. I have to, it yeah. must be said. I have this crazy long katana now uh, that I don't know what I fused it with, but I'm getting these crazy monster parts because I went east and I was like, I don't think I should be here because uh, all these monsters are really, really strong. <laughs> And then I went south, and I was like, I don't think I should be here because all these monsters are really, really strong. And then I went in the depths, and I was like, Wow, now the monsters worse. down here are really, really strong. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I am killing a bunch of them and getting sick monster parts, so I'm good. Especially the uh, the the lizard one, the lizard guys. Mm. If you oh, get oh, a tail, yeah, you can make yeah. a whip.
2: Oh, oh sh- I haven't tried really? using the tail yet. Yet. or yeah. something.
0: Dang.
1: Yeah, Uh, I got to get that. I got to get that shit down.
2: The the thing I really love about this game and the way they changed it, the weapon economy is that it feels like there are very few like base good weapons. You have to fuse to have good weapons. And a lot of the weapons that I found, especially in the Gerudo area, uh, get different effects or like level up depending on what you attach to them or Zonite stuff gets more powerful if you put Zonite attachments on them Mm -hmm. and I think that makes for such an interesting weapon economy because you're kind of always expending resources to get resources. And that was the tension in Breath of the Wild One, right? That you were using up the durability on some weapons to try and get more out of others. But here I feel like it's it's a more direct corollary that you're beating up this Bacoblin and then his horn falls to the ground and you're like sick and you pull this like thick stick of <laughs> your inventory yeah. and are like fuse and you put it on and now you've got like a 30 power club instead of like a seven power thick stick and uh it's i i just like that economy so much more i feel like every time i forget about it i'll roll into a dungeon i'll be like oh i've got terrible weapons i'll be like oh wait and i'll open my inventory and i've got all these monster parts in there i just start dumping them and fusing them and i'm yeah. like yeah now Now I'm strong. And you get these weapons that do so much damage
0: into something amazing.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I got a weapon that's
0: like, uh, maybe not very good to you because you're way ahead of me. But um, I was fighting with weapons in like the teens, like 13, 14. And now Mm -hmm. suddenly I just got one that's like 25. And I'm like, let's go.
2: (laughs) I think the highest I've made so far is a like 70 something nice. that I've got in my backpack right now that I'm saving for the boss of this temple that I'm currently on. I would, and that was I from would, yeah. destroying a like flex construct and and turning it into a weapon. But there are so many did, like, what did you do? A flex construct. I destroyed oh, a flex construct. Okay. Uh and turned it into a weapon.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. That makes <laughs> and sense. And there's
2: even stuff in this game that I, I won't get into too much, but I have a like 90 defense shield because of a fuse attachment that i got from doing an optional boss and that Ooh. was like it's it's just sick the ways in which you can discover things that will give you these cool tools and and things to do and they all have really interesting effects too there's so much extra like blue text on the weapons that are like this one has increased durability or this one has yeah. more power if you attach a zonite thing to it or this one eats your hearts every time you swing it, but it's really powerful. So make a choice. I have not <laughs> and, found
1: that one yet. It sounds oh, frightening.
2: That yeah. one you got. um, You got to take on a certain enemy but, to, uh, to get that S- one. Supermote
1: yeah. brings up here in the chat. Uh, How many car have you tortured? I personally the other day I was at like these bluffs and I this little cock was like, oh, help me. My friends across the he's down the, the hill and like, OK, and I actually made this Rockets. really sweet ass car and it had a steering and everything. And I started to drive it down the cliffs. but It was too steep. So the car goes. I fall off and I managed to kind of glide my way down. But the car goes bouncing like Homer Simpson in uh, with the cliffs. Boom, 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 boom. It's like, well, you got there. What are you bitching about?
2: Uh, <laughs> so calm yeah. down. Look, calm it's down, not stop yelling. It's not torture to turn them into astronauts, you know. We're, we're just helping them join the Hylian space program. We're very excited about this. We, have, a, we have
1: funding; and it's got to go somewhere.
2: We ain't letting it a, stagnate.
0: There was a good story um, on Nintendo Voice Chat. Uh, Brendan Graber just made a, a cart and just went around collecting Koroks and he said, is it kidnapping? Is it an Uber service? I don't know. And he was just driving them around the world, picking them up. <clears throat> and they were all reacting to things that was happening. At one point, they ran into a bobican And actually, uh, the cart exploded and all of the Koroks went flying away. And he's like, oh, I'm going to restart. Eventually got it to this little makeshift house that he made. Put them all on a porch and got a picture with them and turned into like a portrait. <laughs> I'm like, fair play you. Children. He was like, <laughs> He was like, well, nobody else did this. But uh, yeah. Uh, he he went on all these adventures with Koroks. I personally (laughs) have not tortured any Koroks because I just I I can't care enough about Koroks. I didn't care about Koroks seeds. I'm not a completionist. When I see them around, I'm like, stop wasting my time. Go away. The inventory slots. This week on Law and Order SVU. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. But I don't I don't really want to. (laughs) <laughs> I don't particularly want to uh, go out and go looking for it. And anybody who did the entire Korok quest no, got like no. 80 of those things just so like, they could get the poop. golden
2: poop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you get a
1: poop this time? I don't, I'm never going to do it, so I don't know if it's spoiler to say
0: so. I want to know like where you get the time because God knows I don't have the time.
2: I, people just, just like playing this game. I was at I guess, Starbucks yeah. the other day and yeah. I, they're one of the... One of the baristas there knows that I play games because I wear nerdy stuff. They don't know that I I do this or any writing about games. It's going to stay that way. All right. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, they do know that I am a nerd. And so they were asking me, you know, like, play anything good lately. I was like, oh, yeah, Zelda. Come on. Like, and we were talking about it. And then the they other person of a
0: little game, Darkest Dungeon 2. <laughs> huh? <laughs>
2: No. Uh? <laughs> but the other barista at Starbucks is like, y'all talk about Zelda. And we were like, yeah. And and she was like, oh, my God, I played the first one. I did like all the temp- all the the shrines, all everything. Like I just I didn't I never beat the game because I didn't want it to end. Like she had never finished Breath of the Wild because she just enjoyed playing Breath of the Wild. And I think there are a lot of people who had that experience with Breath of the Wild where they just enjoyed the feeling of playing that game, I think Tears of the Kingdom elicits that same emotion too.
1: The the thing to keep in mind too with with Carox is, uh, you really don't have to like. At first, I was like, "Oh, I'll build a nice wagon for these little guys," and it's like, "Oh, hey, I can just attach them to my horse's harness and just drag them, <laughs> and they'll get there either way." <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, they can't die.
2: The worst they do is say, ouchie. There yeah. was someone who
1: built a cross and they set it on fire and things burning and say, "ouchy."
2: <laughs> yeah, the crucifying Koroks was a particular moment of online Zelda I don't discourse. think Nintendo <laughs> predicted
1: that. I know they predicted we'd hurt the Koroks. I don't think they... I know someone at Nintendo right now is like, why are they crucifying them all?
2: I, yeah, I think the, I think the giant Passion flaming the penis was one thing that we all could have seen coming. <laughs> I think the Korok... Maybe like... Crash test, Korok torture was one thing. I, I, don't, I don't think they saw Korok crucifixion in the <laughs> cards. <laughs> a new you
1: know. religion? Oh, great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, now what? Feel, there's so much I still have to unlock. <clears throat> I was just in the depths, and I found a whole stockpile of like gliders and lasers mm-hmm, and engines. Mm-hmm. Like The gliders were already pre-built. Oh, yeah. I was like, yep. hell yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I jumped on. I did the trick where you... Lift it up, lift it up, and then use recall to get it into the air and everything. And my battery ran out instantly.
1: Yeah, unfortunately. Also,
0: also, I I don't know how you can activate the laser on command. Like the thing just started firing the laser. I think it's all on. Everything goes on once, there,
2: right? There is a Zoni device. I have not found in dispensers yet, but I have seen on other things that have been built that it makes it like a smart targeting system. So basically it will aim and it won't fire until it has something like oh. enemy Ooh. in its range. I think and then it will shoot. This is because yeah.
0: I think that was there too.
2: Um, oh,
1: I think so. I think I know what you're talking about. Cause I saw a part and I'm like, what does this do? Cause I'm a stupid monkey. And
2: yeah. so I
1: just basically, uh, my, big building triumph was I built a monster truck down in the depths because somehow I ended up there with no bright seeds, no arrows, no nothing. And I said, OK, well, I'm screwed. I could I could teleport out of here or I could build a monster truck. And I built a monster mm-hmm. truck. It had a light that I could put on the front and everything. Mm-hmm. So I literally drove this monster truck in the pitch black darkness with just my light. And these monster trees were coming at me and i was like screaming oh, and driving. the trees,
2: <laughs> the trees. Can we talk about how good the depths are? The depths are amazing. The, the depths are
0: terrifying.
2: The depths Honestly, might be huge. my favorite part of this game. It is such a... It's
0: funny. They're a little polarizing. Really? I know plenty of people who don't care for them. I love them because they're so wow. nasty. I, I think they're cool. They're very spooky. They're very spooky. Yeah. it's There's so much to find. Um, I Okay, question. If you get one of the light thingies underneath the chasm, does that open up the sky towers on the surface?
2: No. So hmm this is i was confused
0: because i did a whole bunch of exploration of the deaths and it seemed like more of the map was mapped when i came back uh, up for
2: air um it doesn't do that but what i will tell you is something uh-huh. that they eventually start to hint at and this isn't like a big story revelation it's not like you're gonna suddenly like spoil something for yourself knowing this there is a correlation between the shrines that are on above the ground and the light roots that are below the ground. There is like a direct correlation. If you want to learn more, maybe perhaps examine their positioning (laughs) and also the names of the shrines. Um, But it's, uh, It's such an amazing thing that Nintendo has done. It's like I I wrote a blog about it because I was just honestly amazed. We're not I I get like some people are kind of in spoiler mode and and trying to be considerate. Um, I think we're like a weekend. So I think talking about like location stuff is not that big a deal anymore. And the depths are like just this infinite darkness. Like the first time you go down there and you're just falling into nothing and it is so vast nothing you don't know what's down if there aren't like post spirits on the floor you don't know where the floor is right
0: absolutely i actually took my first blind jump last night the first time you the, the times where you shoot your arrow oh and it just falls and the arrow just and goes and
2: it sh- falls and it falls in the darkness mm-hmm.
0: You're like, when's it gonna land?
2: <laughs> Surely it has to land. Surely it has now. to land. Surely. My stamina yeah. is. Running out. <laughs> it's it's like, the it's that the scene in all those those movies where they drop the glow stick down a cave or a flare down a cave, and yeah, you just see and it just it keep goes falling and, goes and, and goes. falling and falling. And it's but I think the difference is that you're playing it and you're in it, and that just like activates some, I don't know, like thalassophobia that I didn't know I had, where it's like just this feeling of being unanchored in a void and mm-hmm. like it is honestly, and and the big like brass horn blare that they sound almost like the, the orcs of Mordor are can yeah. see link dropping down and are like sounding the war horns as you're coming down. And there's so much just messed up stuff down there too. There are things that will just mess you up down there. Have y'all run into a Lionel down there? It's a no. bad time. No. It's no, a bad time. I
0: mean, uh, just a, uh- the Boba the super red Bobakins are just messing me up.
1: I shot an arrow of light. I'm like, when I first got down there, I'm like, oh, it sure is pitch dark down here, and I shot a light arrow right into an enemy encampment. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so- <laughs> it's
0: worth going down just for the bombs. Yeah, oh yeah, so you can you get all the bombs, down the bombs and the Zonite. especially early on. Those bombs will really mess up uh, enemies.
2: There's, I I think we talked a little bit about this last week when we had uh, Mike and Tom on, but th- I, I, while I was playing, I was thinking about it constantly. They talked about this, like different tiers of resources and how Nintendo kind of had you moving between elevations and planes to get different resources. And I felt that as I was playing where I was getting things in the depths that were going to help me above ground. And I was getting things in the sky islands, like the sun Alliance, that were going to help me in the depths. And it was this cool feeling of, Wherever I went, I wasn't just getting useful resources. I was getting useful resources for somewhere else. And so yeah. it feels like there is this constant push to keep you moving forward with the promise that you will always be getting something that will help you progress somewhere else. And and Absolutely. It's, there, there are so many little smart design things that happen in this game. And I do think it's that they had the benefit of building this before with Breath of the Wild that they could just right. start to iterate and play with their sandbox and play with their rule set that makes this game feel really special.
0: I like the sky archipelagos cause it's so much fun mm-hmm. to unlock a tower, shoot into the sky. And then you see the sky islands. You're like, I'm going to land on this one yeah. and you're so high up and you can just, you just kind of are gliding from one to the other, maybe using um one of those little platforms to move to yet another one over there and, I haven't really received that much of interesting stuff from them, but they're fun to explore.
1: I'm trying to think like there is, there are shrines up there. So it's definitely worth exploring, but I do know already, like I've stumbled upon a quest where I do have to start from the sky and descend to the depths. And I have not figured that one out. There's a lot I haven't figured out yet.
2: Um, There are like maps that I've found up there that will point out um, hidden treasure in the depths. Um, There are, certain enemies that you will find more commonly up there. Have y'all run into a Gleok yet?
1: I've seen it from that? a distance. I have not. The, you know the King
2: Ghidorah looking mofos that will just mess your day up. Um, Do you yeah. remember the three headed
1: dragons from the first Zelda?
2: Like yeah. Those?
0: Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. The Gleoks. I have found one Gleok in the sky and several other Gleoks on the ground. But those... Those things don't mess around, though no, I, I am like... honestly I'm a bit surprised by how how willing Nintendo is to one shot you in this game. If you if you mess around,
1: I've been one shot uh, a few times for sure. Yeah, in fact, same. multiple times I've been, uh, right now, the second I am stuck in there's a coliseum I found underground. And uh, I was like, "Oh, this will be easy," but uh, progressively worse and worse. But cobblers have come at me, so I-, I might have a problem. Oh, especially I think since
2: I, I think I know where you are. Yeah,
1: in the gloom. If you get hit and you're not wearing gloom protective clothing, which I wasn't because I was an idiot, you can't heal yourself. Like mm-hmm. you get your your maximum HP goes down a lot. So uh, this is actually one of the harder Zelda's I've played. And I played Zelda yeah. too religiously.
0: So yeah, they
2: don't mess around in this one, and and they do so much to like Nadia, you were saying to keep you like thinking about the different types of damage you're taking, about the different elements you're dealing with. Uh, I feel like even within Sokerudo Desert is different this time in that it is hot during the day and cold at night. Um, and so they they do the switch on you where they're like encouraging you to think more about your environment and, and what you actually do there. But even I've found like getting fairy, great fairy upgrades for your armor makes like a huge difference. I have like a just one tier upgraded set of Hylian armor that I wear whenever I go oh, into I like, a to tough fight. Oh, I have to do that. The
1: great, the great fairies are pissed off in my game, so they're not coming
2: out. Uh, Do the Lucky Clover stuff. The the newspaper. Can which, I by the way, I the newspaper the quest is a one. Yeah, yeah, I, Penn I is great. I love him. Penn,
1: yeah. <laughs> He's amazing. And uh, I'll just say the fairy community loves him. I'll leave it at that.
2: Oh, the furry community loves so much about this game. Rauru is like... Oh, yeah. smash it can we talk about how hot everyone in this game is nintendo figured it out <laughs> they were like we just got to make hot characters that's it this is by far the hottest
0: link has ever been
2: like like link looks he's got that prince ashitaka vibe going on he's looking great he's got all these great looks all the the fashion you can get in this game is fantastic oh
0: great glenn um, the hair the tats yeah
2: zelda's got the princess mononoke look to go with it you head out freaking lookout landing first person you meet there is pura everyone loves pura <laughs> like, you go to mm-hmm. kakariko they've got taro if you haven't met taro yet he's great he's oh, fantastic Taro's pretty amazing you got prince Sidon I'm telling you, this still game is tiktok down. ready oh
0: it's not just it's not just the memeing it's the beautiful characters who look right at home on instant tiktok that's what i'm saying
2: yeah yeah it is like like nintendo figured it out that they were like but what if everyone was hot?
0: But Nintendo's always been yeah.
2: like
1: that, though. Do you remember Twin Tell? Hey, everyone, I'm here's just, a have chicken you, with ass. Pokemon, Pokemon too. Pokemon, absolutely. I found Pokemon, Pokemon really started full of hot people, Milf and Dilf heavy around uh, uh, Sun and Moon. I would say maybe X and Y even. Like they started to realize, hey, people are growing up and playing the series still. How can we? i can we keep them occupied. Okay. Hot <laughs> Professor definitely became a
2: thing. Like Hot Professor became a thing in Pokemon at some point where they were like, well. We gotta make these professors hot. There's just no other way to do it. We have to. And no, then I mean, came you can Sada and Turo. Yeah. Um Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. But I also think genuinely the character design in this game is fantastic. Oh, there's just good um, character designs. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, the
2: story is much more involved than I would say previous Zelda games have been. Like I like Twilight Princess, and I never played much of Skyward Sword. I wasn't huge on it. but I like
1: Skyward Sword's story. It was very cute. I, that's my favorite Link in Zelda, frankly. I,
2: I, I think the the thing that I love about Tears of the Kingdom is it has that... I'm
0: sorry, did you just say that Skyward Sword has your favorite Link in Zelda? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: They're, they're, they're were adorable. Very, they, were a couple. they were
1: a cute little couple there. Like I liked it because there was no ambiguity. They ambiguity, uh, you know that stupid
0: fucking word. ambiguity. <laughs> I really just like... <laughs> I really dislike the art style in that one. Link looks so weird in Skyward Sword. He
1: he looks all right. Eh. He looks like Justin Bieber. Eh. He like Leonardo DiCaprio (laughs) in the previous games. Like, you know, whoever's popular at the time, that's who Link looks like.
0: I have a couple thoughts. Thought number one is I've been thinking a lot about why I like playing as Link. Because normally I don't like playing as male characters. And... This is not a new insight. The developers have commented on this explicitly, but I like that they make Link's gender extremely ambiguous. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we're coming up on Pride. And Link has to be one of the queerest heroes I've seen in a video game. Starting with The Link to the Past. By the way, listen to our Link to the Past Pantheon episode in which the Japanese commercial has a lady dressed up as Link rescuing Zelda Mm And uh, there's a lot of romance there. Somebody just left. It's pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it continues onward. I think Aonuma said the way that they designed Link was if you look at Link as a guy, then there's a little bit of a feminine touch. If you look at Link as a lady, then they have a hard edge, kind Mm -hmm. of sharp, masculine look. And I'm just like, Oh yeah, oh yeah, this really works for me. Mm-hmm. So, fair play to Nintendo for being. I was like, why is Link so universally appealing? Pause. Aha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, th- the name is right there. Link. He was right, exactly. supposed to be a link between the player and the game.
2: Yeah, like like Link as a a David Bowie like style character who who has that that ambiguity and that ability to like move between all those different fashion styles and all those different looks. Like you can go to outer
1: space with David (laughs) Bowie.
2: You can do like (laughs) Dark Souls ass Link wearing like full knight armor and all that. Or you can do like the the frostbite set, which is fantastic. That that frostbite. Oh, I have especially. Oh, it's it's really good. It's like Link wearing this sort of like flowing robe with like an open back in the back. And it's it's fantastic. It's like Link. Looking good. Looking good. That sounds uh, You very can do stylish. the Gerudo set. There's, I think there might be two Gerudo sets. I have the Desert Vo set. I haven't found the Desert Vi set yet, which would be the one that you had in Breath of the Wild 1 when you were pretending. You could get the set in.
0: in 1, too, because I, I used can it. You could get the Vo
2: set as well? Okay. Yeah.
0: Breath of the Wild has Link dressing up as a Gerudo and looking really hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just got to say. I, uh, I, This is just my personal opinion. I know... Like, Nadia, for example, does not share it. But uh, one of the reasons I struggle with, say, God of War, for example, is that I just don't find Kratos appealing as a character to play as. Or uh, one of the reasons it took me a long time to get into Witcher 3 was also I didn't find Geralt that appealing as a I never found uh, Kratos extremely
1: appealing, but uh, Geralt is all right. He's a sad boy. You always play... it. The, the difference is
0: that you always play as a dude
1: and I know oh, I play see as yeah yeah no that that is strange yeah. I wonder I, I've talked before about why I wonder what that is and ironically I think it's because playing early RPGs with like Link and and Loto and all those characters like kind of probably what set me on that path but I never really got out of
0: it so who knows I'm just weird the other thing I wanted to think is is Tears of the Kingdom a metaphor for the climate emergency
1: It can be. I think everything right now is a metaphor for the climate emergency, as it should be.
0: (laughs) The world is falling apart. We have a problem. And all the regions have been dramatically affected by pollution or climate change in some way. Mm. The Rito village is dealing with blizzards. Mm -hmm. The Gerudo uh, biome has dramatically changed. And uh, the Zora area is covered in pollution and toxic sludge. Yeah.
1: It actually... That you have
0: to clean up? It's very Captain Planet. Mm. I I don't want to
1: say you're wrong, kid. Probably not. But at the same time, these were all disasters that befell in Majora's Mask. The Agorans were being Mm. frozen out of Death Mountain. Uh, The Deku place was full of toxic sludge. And uh, everyone had a problem. I think the Gerudo were just pirates. So
2: Mm. (laughs) they didn't have a climate
1: emergency. They were just pirates. The Gerudo are just pirates now.
2: Yeah, I, I won't say too much on the story other than that. I do think that there's definitely some themes of like natural disasters and and how individual communities deal with them. Uh, I do think one of the cooler things I saw was when I was heading up to the Rito village, I stopped at like a stable and there was a Hylian and a Rito interacting and I went over to talk to them and they were talking about how, oh, this Hylian has been living in the area for a long time has always been, you know, interacting with the Rito and helping them out. And so they've been like upping their trade and trying to like just give more resources to them because the blizzard has like wiped out sources of food for the Rito. And so the Hylian has been like organizing ways to like get more food to them and supplies and stuff like that. And the Rito is like, you know, I'm so thankful. Like, you know, I I didn't expect this kind of help. You know, usually we try to solve our own problems. And the Hylian is like, look, like you've been a good friend to me for years. Uh, This is what we show up for. And I was like, oh, like this is really sweet. It was really nice. But it's also like something that I think Tears of the Kingdom is reminding me of is that this is an RPG as RPG because talking to people like going into a town and talking to people elicits so much. Yeah. And I think that is like a core part of an RPG that we sometimes leave by the wayside is that like. Going going into a village and speaking with the villagers and speaking with local townspeople and trying to like understand the village life there. It's funny when I see my friends who play this game and they're like, oh, what do I want to do? How do I find things to do? I'm like, just go talk to people. If you literally go talk to people in this game, you will find things to do. And if you read the things they do and you pay attention to the things they are telling you, this game will constantly point you in directions of cool stuff, whether that's a cave with some treasure in it or a quest or a quest. Or just a really cool thing to see, like this game wants to show you things and it puts NPCs there to encourage you to find that stuff. And so I think it's this we get used to that Ubisoft mentality, you know, of like, oh, well, I have to go find the icon on the map and then I talk to the person with the icon over their head and they'll give me that kind of quest and now I can go do that kind of quest. No, just go talk to people, and you'll find things. It's cool stuff. What also yeah. drives
1: me? is also supposed to drive you is going back and seeing what everyone is up to, because mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. so many characters who have grown up a little bit. Because it's been a, it's been a, a, couple of years, something like that. It's been a little while. Yeah. Uh, so I really amount like sp-
2: of time between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom is what I'll say.
1: <laughs> What's that?
2: There's like a fudged amount of time oh, where they're yeah. like, it's definitely they're very bit... vague about how many years it's been between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, where it, th- it's I th- enough. But- I think the best metric might actually be there's in Tarrytown, um, the builder, Hudson, and his wife have a kid now. And so, however old that kid is, is how long it's been since Breath of the Wild. This is probably the best metric we have.
1: Yeah, I guess because <laughs> they got married. So, who knows? Maybe it took yeah, them a while. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I like actually going. I haven't really done much with the uh, ruins quest in Kakarico Town, but I did like going back and seeing uh, Paya's like kind of grown up and coming to her own, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. which is very nice because in the first game, she was very childish, not for any fail of her own. She had no idea what it like falling in love meant. So she like got this crush on Link and was completely helpless, as funny as it was. It was also kind of pathetic. So. I go back there, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you know now I'm in charge of the town and I'm actually doing things differently for mm-hmm. my grandmother." So it's like, "Oh, good for you. You're probably still like really lusting after Link, but who isn't?"
2: Uh, have you who talked isn't? to the the old guy who used to run? You did like the catch the cuckoos in Kakariko quest for him, where he and his wife had that little like cuckoo farm, and he would stand outside the yes, are they the still there? I looked,
1: his wife had a whole diary talking about how she wanted Link to tune her bowstring. And I think (laughs) maybe she's gone. Um,
2: (laughs) The dad is there. Okay. Maybe in the morning, look for the dad and see what he's doing. And uh, (laughs) you might learn more about that. Uh, They they
1: had a problem with their marriage. (laughs) there,
2: There are so many little things like that in this game that I've just come to really love. Like even if you do Impa's stuff, if you go find Impa and start her stuff. Uh, there are even locations that you go back to that have been recontextualized and changed in really interesting ways that I, I think is super rewarding for anyone who played Breath of the Wild and wants to see this world grow and get reimagined in, in Shout really cool out ways.
1: to getting the pieces of the story completely out of order and getting a completely different context <sighs> for every time.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. this is nice.
1: I, oh God, what happened?
2: If I can give anyone just a little one piece of advice, if you're doing the memories stuff, if you're doing specifically the the teardrop memory stuff, do the sword one last. <laughs> do the yeah. go to that one last. Cause that one is way far ahead in what is happening there. And I watched that one as like the third one I saw. And Boy, it was weird. So i <laughs> I highly recommend doing that one last.
1: Shaped like a sword, you say. Close I to seen last.
2: Yet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Hold off keep that. on that one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. supermoop says that's the third one I got.
2: Oh, yeah, I guess I don't need yeah. to do the others. To To like be blunt about it, it's it's like a clip show. It's it is like a recap clip show of oh, a memory, cute. which feels very weird to me. Uh, the memories are not set. JB in the chat asks uh, if they're set or not. They, they are specifically like related to the thing that is like etched onto the ground. Mm -hmm. And so you can watch them in any order you want. Uh, You can find them in any order, which I do think is actually really compelling and interesting. Cause you also have that moment of like, you're descending from the sky onto that geoglyph and you're like, oh, this is a knife. What does that mean? Like, what is that going This is a pura pad. How is this going to like play into it? I think that's really compelling. But it
1: was pretty cool. It gives you a hint of what you're looking at.
2: Yeah, yeah, I yeah. This game is so good. Can we just talk about it next week too? Yeah, let's do
1: that. (laughs) Let's talk about it for the rest of the year.
0: Well, we're gonna have Blackstones on. We're gonna talk about another game Mm. that y'all really like. Mm. So, oh yeah, we're we're feasting. We are, Eric. uh we're, We're gonna move on in a second, but. Your point about Tears of the Kingdom pulling so much from RPGs mm-hmm. or being an RPG-ass RPG is well taken. Mm. I think a lot about the deaths, like we were talking about earlier about uh, the Bobakins being orcs and all that. It really is big minds of, of Moria. Oh yeah, energy, which of course was the OG dungeon, of course in RPG history. Just looking at the main quest and all the side quests, such a such an RPG vibe. Especially the way that you explore and everything, talking to all the NPCs, uh, its roots run deep, so to speak. There are a lot of times
2: where you just have to solve things. You get told information and you have to like contextually solve them. I think the Zora one that I did last night really jumped out at me is, oh, you have to kind of like figure it out. You're given a bunch of clues for this ancient secret and you just have to figure it out. You have to put it together. I still have to meet
1: the Zora and the
2: Gerudo and the Goron. It's um, it's just a really rewarding game in that way. I feel it's just a game that wants to give you cool things to do and give you cool rewards for doing them, and then constantly show you new sights, new sounds, new ways of interacting with this system and with these these places that just feel so fresh. I and to put like a cap on it, I think while well, Breath of the Wild was a game about manipulating. The world around you using powers like stasis and cryonis and and i mean remote bombs are just remote bombs but i think this game is more about like seeing how things in the world can intersect if that makes sense like like i feel like i am more attuned to my environment in this game i think in breath of the wild i was constantly trying to impose my own manipulations onto the environment and, and change them to suit my purpose. Whereas this one, I'm paying more attention to what's around me, what I can attach together and put together and kind of cobble. And it feels like the world is in more conversation with the tool set I have available. I'm paying more attention to things. Every resource is valuable. Every, everything that is in this game is a tool I could use for my own progress. And I just love that about this game. It's it's so that's why I feel like it's an RPG where like nothing in your bag can go to waste. Mm-hmm. You know, you if you can come up with a reason for why using this thing is useful in the situation and you roll well on it, that's D&D, right? And in the same way, Tears of the Kingdom is like, can you figure out a way to make these things useful and functional at this point in time? That's that's RPGs. That's it's that's awesome problem solving. yeah. It's MacGyver. Yeah, MacGyver is an RPG <laughs> hero. That's what, we, wow. that's what We've learned today here. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Link is MacGyver. You know MacGyver's from Minnesota, don't you know? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's a hockey coach. Oh shit! So there you go. There's of your. He is. <laughs> this is now a MacGyver podcast. <laughs> Finally, MacGyver that's... of the Blood God. At last, Winter
2: of MacGyver.
0: <laughs> Patty and Selma are delighted. I have to say. All right, that's it. For our main quest, I'm sure we'll talk more about Tears of the Kingdom. But for now, it's time for a series of random encounters. Sony is hosting a PlayStation showcase this coming week. You can expect a lot of announcements there. I'm pretty excited. Me too. A new Lord of the Rings MMO is in development from the creators of New World. Pokemon Home's release date was confirmed for Scarlet and Violet, then retracted. Ouch. It be coming out relatively soon, but that was, that was a weird moment. Uh, Final Fantasy XVI Patch 6.4 16. was out on May 23rd. 6.4, not 16.4. It only feels like 16.4. <laughs> Elden Ring has won a Nebula Award for Best Writing, and AJ Numa has said that Open World Zelda is a format for the future of the series so if you like the legend of zelda you can probably expect more to come though i don't think that necessarily guarantees that the next one is going to be the guaranteed to be an open world game i think he's just saying this is a thing that works and we can come back to it in the near future
1: i guess celsius getting top down games like uh i'd love to get another link between worlds
2: yeah yeah Yeah. get get someone get a get another studio on that make another top down i think it'd go over well
0: out this week, uh, we have the Miasma Chronicles, which is a tactics RPG with real-time exploration from the creators of Mutants Year Zero. Uh, it l- reminds me a little bit of a better Wasteland 3. It's a person with a little robot buddy. It looks pretty good. Uh, there's also a Cassette Beast. It's out May 25th. Uh, it's already been out on uh, PC since April cute. from Raw Fury. Has anyone, have mm-hmm. you played it yes. at all? No, I haven't, but it looks really cute. I like the idea. It's basically Pokemon, Mm, mm. but you can merge all of them. It's a little bit of a different thing. And tapes. Great graphics, yeah. Have have you been playing it, Nadia?
1: No, I just like the idea. Uh, Like, you know, Monster Hunter, sorry, Pokemon clones are always hit or miss, but I always like like it when there's at least a cute concept, like Mm. cassettes. That's cool. Uh, That's
0: very 80s, but not in a really cloying way. It's super positive reviews on Steam um and one of them calls it <laughs> halfway between pokemon persona and stardew valley and i'm like that sounds I all like right. all of those games that sounds pretty cool i can deal with that <laughs> all of those games are appealing to me all right we've arrived at the tavern where we can put up our feet and relax and swap some stories so what is everybody playing and or what is everybody on everybody's mind nadia what do you got this week uh, I have to get my machinist in, whipped into shape
1: so I can do Final Fantasy XIV mm. Six Point Four. I am just so thrilled! I can't wait to hear what show tune we're going to get next. That makes no sense to Cat, but <laughs> it makes a lot of sense to Final Fantasy XIV fans, where Sulkin is just monstrously like killing it these days with these. I swear to God, these are show tunes he's writing for for these raids, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. ridiculous, but. They're so good. And like I've said a thousand times, I don't care if you like Final Fantasy XIV or not. You listen to that soundtrack and tell me it's bad. And I have a smack for you.
0: I'm not going to look at Final Fantasy. I'm not going to call Final Fantasy XIV soundtrack bad. Mm. Okay. No, mm-hmm. you shouldn't. It's a bad idea.
1: Uh, I also have to add, I'm wearing a Super Mario Brothers
0: 3 shirt. I was just thinking about
1: how, what a great like design that was for, for Western box art. Usually Western box art did not have a lot of triumphs back then, but... The Mario 3 box art is just so iconic. Like The mm-hmm. shirt I'm wearing, mm-hmm. like it actually belongs to my husband. He said, of course, don't schlep around in it, but of course I'm schlepping around in it. Uh, also really <laughs> proud that I taught my North Carolina husband what schlep means, and he uses it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's a great shirt, great game, great box art. Mario 3 rules, Final Fantasy Fourteen rules.
0: I saw a boxed copy of Mario 3, and I actually regret not buying it. How much it. was it going uh... for? Do you remember? Like a hundred bucks. Not um, It was in good condition, but I was going. Ah, but you know, th- am I going to spend a hundred bucks on basically cardboard? But at the same time, Mario Three is my favorite NES box art. It's just so clean and iconic. Mm-hmm. And if I had actually gotten it, I could have totally gotten it signed by Miyamoto. Ah, <sighs> uh, I would like to do that. Missed opportunities. See, Missed opportunities. Uh,
1: fun fact: I- I've told this before. I've told this a million times before, but I still amuses me because my husband was going through my instruction booklets and he was very persnickety about keeping everything like all the boxes nice, all the manuals nice. And I literally wrote swear words on the Mario 3 instruction booklet. It was me and my brothers. We were we were all guilty of like writing like oh shit, uh, like your Mario's going to die that kind of stuff all over the pages. So he looked at that <laughs> and was like, "Why did you do this?" I'm like, "I don't know." It was funny. Like <laughs> he was genuinely mad. It's hilarious. Like you grew up with you grew up with two brothers and tell me you're not doing that shit.
0: Yesterday I went to play D and D and I was talking to the person hosting it and he said that his brother has an incredibly extensive um, NES or like retro collection, including apparently every NES and SNES wow. game. Oh wow! And that he taught himself rudimentary cabinet making. Wow. To be able to store all of it—that's amazing. And. Not only does he own every NES game, he include, he even has like the rarest one, which is the, what was it, Family Sports or something like oh, that? Oh, the Konami version, or the Bandai version of uh, the sports. Fa- yeah, yeah. Yeah, he has that. He keeps wow. it in a safe. I would too. A gun safe. A gun safe. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in Arizona, and uh, their dad is apparently very conservative. And he got all excited about him having a gun safe, uh, and then he opened it, and there was this. <laughs> he just Hell yeah! In. At least he didn't shoot it. <laughs> I'll show you, <laughs> Eric. What's uh,
2: what's up with you this week? I mean, aside from a ton of Tears of the Kingdom, uh, I did dip into the Street Fighter Six open beta Ooh, over the weekend. How is? It's real good. Um, I'm
1: excited for that. Street
2: Fighter might be back, y'all. Uh, oh. After a long time languishing in the minds of Street Fighter 5, uh, we have arrived at Street Fighter 6, and it's it's quite good. They, this is they the first a very... Street Fighter
1: I'm excited for since Alpha 3. That's how long yeah,
2: it's been. Yeah. I, since 4 for me. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, it reminds me a lot of early Street Fighter 4, the way people are very excited about it, like the the controls feel very good the everything about it feels really solid um in the beta that they had they only had eight characters available so I was kind of having some trouble picking a character because my go-tos are not in the game yet uh, and also like my fighting game style has changed a lot over the years I feel like I'm not the the, the type of player I used to be so I used to be very much a uh cami player or like I, melee I rage like and in guilty gear like i liked rushdown characters like very fast kind of hornet style characters um it's not so much me anymore i kind of like to play a more careful game a more like spacing based game uh so i was trying Chun Li for a while because i was like oh you know she's got lightning kick she's got uh the spinning bird kick and the fireball but she wasn't like clicking for me and then y'all i hate to say this i really do I think I might be a guile player now. Uh, that's so I, get the um, filth what, in your Gile system.
1: Player? I was born a guile main. I will die a guile main.
2: I was I was messing around with different characters. Or and Oh, Charlie, yeah. I, I was messing around with different characters, and there was something about like just the very... Maybe it was because I was playing a charge character, so I had to be like very thoughtful about what I was doing in the moment, but I was paying so much more attention to just the spacing and what I could do, and... I started um, playing a game where I was playing with some friends and I was like, you know what? This round, I'm only going to use two moves. And this is an old fighting game uh, <laughs> thing that you should try. By the way, if you want to like get good, quote unquote, fighting games, this is actually a good way of getting really good at fighting games. Play a game called sweeps and throws where the only two moves you're allowed to use are sweeps mm, and throws. That's interesting. And you can't use anything else that match. Uh, So that
0: was me when I was like eight years old, because that's (laughs) all I knew how to Uh do. (laughs) Uh, It's going to
2: teach you how to like block and deal with very, various different kinds of attacks very fast. Uh, It also teaches you to be like much more aware of what is happening around your character and all that. But I started just playing sweeps and throws on my on my friends. And uh, oh boy, I was racking up some some dubs with sweeps and throws, but. Is,
1: sorry, is Metro City actually in Canada? This was a thing that yeah, came up on Twitter like the other day. Yeah, like thing
2: now. Yeah, that it's like Metro Sudbury, City apparently. has relocated to Canada. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Canonically, it's in Canadian now? Uh, if I, I if you guess. you look at the map, it's in Sudbury, Ontario, which is the funniest thing to me because I said on Twitter like uh, a, a certain pet store I used to work at, if the managers pissed off like the higher, higher ups in Arizona, they got banished to the Sudbury store. So I said like that's what they did. They all formed like a new Metro City and they're being the shit out of each other over there over like pet food and stuff. That was my headcanon. I don't think it's true in any capacity. I don't think it's supposed to even be in Canada, which is disappointing. But Abigail does have that Canadian leaf like shaved into his head. So I don't know. Good. There you go. Yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, so the the open beta that was in only had eight characters. And so and they were all very like, quote unquote, basic characters. So you had like Ryu Ken, Chun-Li mm-hmm. Guile, um, Jamie is kind of an oddball. I don't really know what kind of play style he's supposed to be yet. Um, Kimberly is is kind of an Ibuki style character, uh, very very rushed down in a way. Uh, I forgot who else. Jury is in there. Um, I like Jury. I feel like I liked SF4 Jury a little bit more. Um, is and Luke, Luke in the? Luke in yeah, I, I don't like Luke. Nobody likes Luke, and, <laughs> and which is weird because like my go to in five and even the Alpha games was uh, Cody and so i thought that luke would feel a bit similar but for some reason he just doesn't do Uh. it for me like with cody i want the knife and or bat yeah i want the the criminal kick i want the the tornado uh like like the punch and all that yeah the uppercut um yeah and i i don't feel like i have all that with luke uh so he doesn't really like fit that and there there's still other characters in this game i might mess around with like um I think some of the new characters like Marissa and Manon look really cool. Um, Dalsim is one that I've gone back and forth on over the years. E-Honda, honestly, might give a shot
1: this time. I, E-Honda was, was my first because that's like what you E-Honda do when you first learn to play Street Fighter. You sit there and you hit the hundred slap button. Yeah, you so, do the
2: palms. You hit them with the palms, and the your hands. Brother, your
0: brother yells at you. Are you a pad player or a stick player?
2: Pad. pad? Um, I learned on what pad. What pad
0: do you use?
2: the the conventionally available pad um like the ps5 yeah i use like the dual sense so yeah like the base does the Dual
0: sense work well because it's fine i i'm just trying to find the i was just going do you have a good recommendation for a pad that i can use because i don't really want to play on a stick but i don't think that any of the existing controllers are especially great for fighting games um i, I the xbox one is actually okay i don't mind playing with a stick on that one if you can believe it but the the Switch Pro controller is utterly garbage oh, it's terrible no yeah. For, yeah
2: it's real bad uh, totally worthless for fighting games du- so i haven't sense tried is. it with
0: the ps5 controller but
2: the dual sense d-pads fine I, I think it's it what it it's what it needs to be um my problem is more with the triggers actually there's so much dead zone space between the r2 being in neutral mm. and the r2 being depressed uh, yeah, because they right. need all that space for like all the dual sense haptics that they do uh, with like pulling it halfway and stuff. But it feels like I have to just go a little bit like like it's it it takes more to do an R2. And I feel like I'm using heavy kick less often because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I will say something that has become very popular in the fighting game scene, but also very controversial is the prevalence of hitboxes. So the the purely button based uh pads that basically have um for for those of you at home just imagine you've got your standard arcade stick layout on your right hand side so that's all the same the kind of like two rows of buttons there on your left hand side you have three arcade buttons up top and then one kind of offset down into the right and the idea is that you have left down and right on your your kind of one two three fingers and then your thumb is that jump button and, and really, it's like it was invented because, number one, it's like better for your hands, for people who have old wrists. And so that's why I've been looking into it, because I get <laughs> for like, old people. I get sore wrists from playing fighting games for a long time. Um, but also, if you've ever played on a keyboard, there are actually a lot of people who play fighting games on keyboards these days. And they'll actually like vouch for it as that's wild. a way to play it. Yeah, it's it's not bad. I've played fighting games on keyboards. It's not that bad. What? Um, it's easy. It's it, like re- you
0: just bind uh super moves to individual keys? No.
2: no, you just input them. So you have like, here, I'm going to hold what? My, my keyboard up. Um He's so holding his keyboard up, folks. Yeah. So you have like, it's ASD. And then if you want to do a fireball, it's just SD. That's how you should like play in an
1: emulated games so Before we had um, game pads.
2: <laughs> so. Yeah. Or if you want to do like an ASD, you just... You kind of roll it. I mean, it feels very natural once you actually do it. And if you've played games like Starcraft or Dota, you, you're probably more prepared for that actual like feeling and sensation than you think you are. Wild, That's wild. Um, but they're also controversial because again, I will hold my keyboard up, but like, say you were playing a charge character, normally that stick or like the d pad thumb motion is kind of what balances that out. But people figured out that you could if you like held a, and then would just do that plus a punch, like do a little tap of the key plus the punch forward. uh, You could get charges out pretty darn fast. Uh, and so mm-hmm. that has become its own controversy. And Capcom tried issuing a ruling at some point about like um, what you, what your neutral States and all that were with the inputs. And it's been a whole controversy, but that's my way of saying that like the PS five, which is, gonna be the standard for street fighter six at this point it seems um it's kind of a wild west right now for controllers and pads and support um so dual sense i think makes the most sense just because you know it will be tournament legal you know it will be allowed no matter what and it will work you won't have any weird funky input stuff going on so funky input yeah
0: I'm going to be picking up the PS5 version. And yeah, I, I definitely plan to play some Street Fighter 4, even though I'll be traveling a bunch, so it's going to be annoying. But I am very excited. Um, during Summer Game Fest, uh, a lot of people will be there for IGN, and I'm sure we'll have a get-together at the office or something. So I hope we can all hang
2: out and play some Street Fighter 6 with one I won't be another.
0: there, sad. It'll be fun. Alas. But Eric
2: will, so yeah, Eric you guys and I will hang play. out. That's why I got to practice. Yeah. I can't lose to Cat. <laughs>
0: As for me, I was actually just in LA. Uh, it was a little vacay vacation. Uh, we drove down, we drove down to LA. Um, we tried to go down the uh, Pacific Coast Highway, which is like the California coast, mm-hmm. very famous. Uh, we drove through Big Sur and everything, except that uh, Highway One was closed. And we discovered this halfway down Highway One. We were like, "Oh, oh crap!" But we did get some really great views, great pictures. We got all the good stuff. We saw Big Sur, so. Then we went all the way back to Monterey and then down again to L.A. Um, But in L.A., I went to a pirate metal show, which I'm not normally a metal fan, but pirates and metal. Mm. okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was also a group called Glory Hammer, which uh, it's basically somebody turned their D&D campaign into a. Into a metal show. Oh, that's actually really <laughs> so, funny. It was fun. It was fun. like there was, you know, they were all dressed up like fantasy characters. The ma- the lead singer was holding up this giant hammer. They were all throwing down giant tankards of uh, alcohol. Reminds me of I was Night Nightwish, it. really. Uh, I don't know Nightwish. Nightwish
1: is kind of a, I don't know how to describe them, but they did do a song about Dragonlance, which is essentially a song about a and d campaign, but not their D&D campaign. Margaret Weiss's D&D campaign. Mm. technically
0: Teeps says Glory Hammer is great power metal is like the best metal subgenre of RPG mm-hmm, nerds mm-hmm. agreed uh, this, this, I feel like this could be a whole topic I've been meaning to listen to more power metal in my life power metal um, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll cop to listening to that in my car a few times <laughs> so I'm just like I, I need some driving music mm. here let's go um And then I went to a Dodgers game for the first time. Oh, cool. Uh, Yeah, Dodger Stadium, beautiful. One of the most beautiful stadiums I've ever been in. It's like perched on this hill overlooking the city. And uh, the views inside it are gorgeous. And all of the stairs are outside. And there are palm trees everywhere. And it has this classic feel without being archaic. I really enjoyed it. It's it's certainly a, like a top two or three stadium I've ever been in and the twins won. Yay. So I, uh, I can't complain. Twins beat the, the Dodgers on the road. So the only thing, the only gripe I have with Dodger stadium is that you can't get it, get to it or get out of it. <laughs> it's 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 impossible. Like, you're just going to have to deal with L.A. traffic oh. in and out, and that's how it be, because...
1: I know that L.A. has a subway system. Does it not go to the, the stadium? There is.
0: Yes, but... Of course. You kind of have to take the metro to Union Station and then take a shuttle to the actual stadium. Oh, that sucks. We went to a different station and took the shuttle in, but then... They were like, sorry, folks. Uh, like the shuttles just wasn't showing up, and finally we just had to take a lift to get out of there. And it was two hours in and two hours out.
1: That must be hell because if you have a shuttle, you're a whole yeah. bunch of people waiting there, and mm-hmm. it's probably like, what is it a bus?
0: So, yeah, pick up a handful yeah, of people a at bus. a time. Uh, it's a big bus still, but you had to like crowd onto yeah. it, yeah. They had ones coming in for Union Station all the time, but not the one that I needed. Oh, to do.
1: okay. Yeah, what a pain in the ass. Yeah,
0: what a pain in the ass. <laughs> I can't disagree. But all in all, great time, and you know, I got a bunch of Tears of the Kingdom in. I'm hooked on it enough that I'm just my switch is coming with me anywhere, everywhere, and anytime I have a free moment, I'm just pulling it out. And That's the way to do little, it. Little Tears of the Kingdom. Okay. Time now for the summer of Korra. That's our ongoing, uh, our, our ongoing series in which we watch through the Legend of Korra, the sequel to Avatar: The Last Airbender. And this week we watched episodes seven, eight, and nine. Of Avatar: The Last Airbender. By the way, reminder: this spoiler spoilers are off for this. We're just going to talk yeah. about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, episode seven was uh, the aftermath of um, of the Bane moment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the Equalists. Uh, episode eight was quote political machinations, riots, riots, and violence of the state against its citizens. Woo. Oh, and we discover that Tarlok is a bloodbender. Mm-hmm. And then episode nine, Korra dives into Aang's past to discover the truth about Tarlock and his father, an equally evil bloodbender named Yakone. We also get to see old Toph and old Sokka. Old can, Sokka. Can I just think it's annoying that they made Toph into a cop? yeah <laughs> it was a different time when i guess. think of Toph, i don't think cop
2: i i'm just gonna say that i think they do some really interesting stuff with Toph over the course of the series specifically um it, it helps that like lin bevong is such a like core part of this cast uh and maybe like aside from tenzin being ang's son like the most we get to see of you know, the descendants of team avatar from avatar Last airbender are Ang's son and Lin's daughter, or uh, Toff's daughter, Lin. uh and so I, I do think it's cool that like Toff gets to shine a little bit. It is also like I think, especially in episode eight, I was sitting here and and being like, this this really really does play different now than when this originally aired. This whole storyline about Tarlock imposing these curfews and locking people up for being quote unquote suspected equalists and like. You know, looking at people being frustrated in the middle of a street about their power being turned off and then having the the police round them up and arrest them and all that and like the sort of uh overuse of police force and all that. And I was sitting here like, wow, this uh this place is different <laughs> than yeah. when it first aired.
0: I mean, it's a um, tale of the oldest time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you could read it. So this show came out in what, twenty twelve, something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It reads to me as a post nine eleven type a story. Little bit, yeah. Yeah. Patriot Act kind of stuff, rounding up suspected terrorists. Oh yeah, borrowing just straight up grabbing from uh, Dark Knight Rises or whatever. So you're like we're just going to do the stadium scene now. Yeah, uh, in Episode Six. By the way, Episode Seven a little bit of a mood whiplash. They have a straight up terrorist attack mm-hmm. in which uh, the, the 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 bats or whatever get their bending powers Mm -hmm. removed it's horrifying everybody's deeply traumatized let's go hang out by the pool Woo!
2: (laughs) yeah that's another core thing where they're like definitely these are characters who are trying to like push off the events of what are happening by trying to like forget their worries and stuff and i think also season one you can really tell that if you don't know the deep lore behind the show this was Originally intended Lord. to be a one shot, like like a one season sort of thing, and then got extended for more. Um, that That is the the long, long rumored, long talked about uh, stuff behind the scenes. But uh, you can kind of feel it in those moments where they like maybe do something that would have taken two episodes in a normal show. They kind of get through it in one and I think I like the pacing in some ways that it doesn't like lollygag about. In the way I could that do without think... the
1: love triangle, though, especially at the most inappropriate times. Yeah, Cora's Look, dead. Do you think that she like that he likes-, Mako, likes? My brother,
2: Mako is a really good encapsulation of just this absolute like. I, I he he's a fuck boy, right? Like he's just like yo. You know, it's so hard being me. I'm so charming; all the ladies love me, and I can't decide my Boy? feelings. And he's just treating both of them like garbage in the process.
0: <laughs> I I have to say that I'm Team Asami.
2: Oh, sorry, Cora. Asami's great. you're cool.
0: Yeah, I like you, Cora. But Asami is like a badass driver, mm-hmm. incredibly gorgeous. Uh, obviously, a little older mm-hmm. than Cora, who's like a teenager. Yeah, I think I think
2: think they're both supposed to be around the same age. She's like in her 20s.
0: Asami looks like she's in her mid 20s. Or at Um, least a couple years older than Korra.
2: Yeah, yeah, she's definitely older than Korra. When she uh, when she both shows off her martial arts prowess and then gets the taser glove as a little equipment upgrade. uh, She definitely comes into her own. and, And it's cool to have a number one, like a non vendor on Team Avatar who's not just like Sokka who's kind of running around haphazardly for the first, but like she is extremely capable from the jump. And also, uh it's cool that she gets to do all the the equalist stuff. So she like gets to hop in the machines and and use the taser glove and stuff like that. And I that's think true. that that's a really cool aspect. Uh um, interesting
1: thing, I'm watching this alongside my husband who has not seen avatars. So this is like his first avatar oh, anything. Okay. So when the bloodbending happened, I was like, mm. wow, that's I knew the implications. And he was like, you know, wow, what is that? So he's just coming at it from completely naked. And I know what the bloodbending is and what it entails. So, uh, yeah, just an interesting perspective. Have He's really liking it, but uh, he doesn't know certain things, which I think is interesting to watch alongside him for that reason.
0: I'm going to say I did. Okay. It was obvious in hindsight, but I didn't see the, the betrayal of Asami's father coming necessarily. Mm. I was like, well, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop when the incred- the super rich industrialist suddenly uh, sponsors the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, okay, let's find out what the deal is with this guy. I'm sure that there's a catch of some sort. I'm like, oh, no, he's just straight up evil and has a... <laughs> An evil, an evil factory i don't think they i don't evil think they needed factory. to give him a motivation like oh uh, benders killed my wife i think that you could have just had him be like look uh, uh the equalists are good for business yeah uh if we don't have bending i sell more cars yeah, yeah that's true like, yeah. I that would have been kind of interesting he, actually
2: he benefits i mean he does benefit from like he is they, they don't show a transaction. So I do think that some level of like, oh, he is making money by providing these weapons that give non-benders the power to fight vendors like he is he is profiting off of that. He is literally war profiteering uh, and Daddy inventing giant mechs in the process. But uh, cool, mechs. Cool, yeah, mechs, cool mechs, yeah, cool mechs, cool mechs,
0: such a different hey, vibe daddies. from the previous series. But I'm kind of into it.
2: Uh, I like how it's weird to say, but like how mechanical everything like how physical all like the mechs don't handle like oh we made cool giant robot that can transform and stuff no these are like basically tanks that also just have arms and kind of function the way that if somebody was trying to build some sort of like steam power tank in the past like that is like a functional aspect of how they're supposed to fight these benders and all their weapons are very much designed to be dealing with benders in some way I, i just again the we talked about the the Fire Nation tanks and stuff in Avatar: The Last Airbender. I think a lot of that same design sense plays well here in Korra. Yeah, for sure.
0: Can we talk uh, briefly about uh, Tarlock? Interesting villain. Uh, he he's the guy inside. Uh, what what do we think of Tarlock uh, ultimately now that he's been revealed?
2: He's complicated. Um, I do. Th- Is he? I do think. Well. The season still has more episodes but uh oh, okay yeah it's i i think he's he is the the scheming politician right like he is the little finger of cora where he has been just trying to gain power and and kind of take over this you know we we haven't seen really what the republic of republic city looks like we've just kind of gotten the sense that it's a bunch of yes men sitting in seats agreeing to whoever holds the most power and Tarlock yeah. is that person right now I would have liked to have seen more exploration of that and just you know how Tarlock corrupts you know the new chief of police and all that and, and how he schemes behind the scenes and all that but
1: at the same time I do like the fact they didn't waste time with uh, oh no where is Cora, uh, and we're being strung along the whole time but no it's just immediately mm-hmm. like okay this asshole did it <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm. we all know he <laughs> yeah, did it. Let's, yeah let's yeah we they figured it out pretty quick obviously evil man is evil yeah i will say i forget how good the fight scenes in cora are but that scene where cora and tarlock are fighting uh in his office and then so it explodes cool. out into the mm, very the good public room like he's he's got this like water bubble and he's like spraying yeah. ice shards out of it and cora like it goes into slow motion and she's like kind of like dodging back and forth you can see she's learned stuff from Mako and Bolin because she's got kind of like a boxer stance and she's like almost punching out shots and stuff like that, yeah. mm, mm. that the fight cool. choreography in the series is just always top notch I love it, it's so good
0: last point before we move on is it me or does bending feel weaker in the series than in the previous show maybe because the, uh, the equalists are just really hard to hit and are clearly super well trained in martial arts but it felt like bending was almost overpowered in Avatar the Last Airbender versus Korra, where it feels they they just do the little like fire attacks and the equalists easily dodge them and go in and take them out. It's almost a little frustrating at times.
2: I think Avatar the Last Airbender, we were constantly engaging with like bending masters. So you had yeah. like um the fire bending master who could do like the firewall. Iroh is obviously a super powerful bender. Um you encountered a lot of people boomy who, who are just like the best of the best in that world. And also they lived in a state of constant warfare. Like that would avatar last airbender takes place in the middle of a war. So like the warriors are out, like they are the people who are front facing in the story. Whereas I do think one of the things I like about Korra so far is they show what bending looks like in quote unquote peacetime. And like they, they make little, Asides about is this the one? I think it was in this set of episodes where Asami is mad at Mako, and and Mako's like, "Hey, I need to heat some tea up for Korra," and she's just like, "Oh, just fire bend it or whatever." <laughs> like, like, but yeah, that is what they would probably just use their bending for in peacetime. Is just like, "Oh, I, I need to heat up this, kettle this tea kettle." Yeah, I need to put the kettle on. Mako, come hold your fist under it for a little bit. Um, sports,
0: sports bending.
2: Yeah, sport bending. Like, like these are not... Oh,
0: even when they are fighting the uh, the equalists, they're using their sports abilities mm-hmm. or they're fighting like athletes mm-hmm. rather than, um, you know, how Aang would fight or whatever. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think it's a notable distinction that a lot of these characters outside of, like, Lin and Korra and Tenzin are not trained to fight. They are trained... They, they have the ability to bend the elements, but that doesn't mean that they know how to use it as a warrior the way that, like people in Aang's time would have because that was they had to defend themselves more often so yeah i don't know if that's a textual like uh, they say that anywhere but i do feel like that that holds some some water so i don't know
0: well that's it for this week's uh episode of summer of Korra. stay tuned for our wrap-up of book one coming up really soon all right nadia take us home
1: So this is the, uh, is it a, a long weekend over there for you people in the States?
0: It's coming up. Yeah, yeah. Not, oh, the, okay. yeah not this, this one. Next week. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. Cause yeah. it's, this is our long weekend. It's Victoria Day. And technically it is to quote unquote celebrate Queen Victoria who did a bunch of stuff. But most of us call it the May 2-4 weekend as in 2-4 as in 24 beers, which is typically what you drink and buy, <laughs> what you buy and drink before uh, the new week starts because we're all off on Monday, but it's also the time of fireworks. And I wrote in the note, I want to know all about your firework mishaps when you were children because we had this oh, thing God. where we would take Roman candles and kind of shoot them at each other like wands, but that's just yep. boring these days. Like kids nowadays, they have these like, they're like, I got to do this shit for the TikTok. One of the funniest mishap videos I ever saw, unfortunately I didn't see this in, in real life so I would have died. Some kid stood with on like between two cars, one foot on each bumper, and had a friend shoot a a, a rocket up his crotch, and it explodes, and <laughs> he runs around screaming on fire, and I feel. Did he?
0: Uh, can he have kids still? I don't know. <laughs>
1: I don't know. Turned all his sperm into gunpowder, probably.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's going to be a surprise for somebody down the line. Tell you what. (laughs) But
1: my father would actually buy fireworks for the neighborhood a lot of the time, which was nice of him because we didn't have a lot of money growing up. But we'd all take him down to the park and neighborhood would kind of gather there. And my father would light up a, I don't know, say a sprinkler. It'd be some crummy thing. And he'd be like, well, that was six bucks. He'd say it out loud every time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> also one time a firework like there's the ones you used to nail to trees or whatever and one got loose and chased after my mom and nearly burned her so that was interesting but otherwise i don't really have any good mishap stories like people blowing their fingers off and whatnot
2: do any of you oh, good <laughs> i don't have any mutilation oh yeah stories. hilarious yeah. <laughs>
0: hilarious okay no mutilation the roman Funny.
2: candle the roman candle stuff was absolutely i did that once and we never should have done that i'm surprised everybody no. got out of that one intact because that one that was a really we did the roman candles as well really thankfully
0: nobody was hurt yeah like like,
2: again reflecting on those times i was like man we all got really lucky there um i don't know with fireworks it's it's just you you set them off my family was always pretty safe about them even when we did them as kids like we'd go somewhere very
0: responsible
2: yeah yeah i will say that um
0: so uh Not a firework mishap per se, but I've been to Europe around New Year's a couple times. And let me tell you, they, Germany, Italy, they go crazy with the fireworks. You'll just be walking around and people will just throw fireworks at your feet Mm. and it'll explode. (laughs) And I'm like freaking out. That's what they do for fun fun in Europe. I hated it. And when the actual ball drops you'll get 360 degrees fireworks because it's not just the professional ones. It's just everybody's got all of their fireworks and they're just lighting them a off. like and poppers and setting them up. But this was a fireworks mishap now that I think about it. Um, I'm staying in Berlin and it's New Year's like 2017 or 2015 or whatever year it was. And we're staying across from this place. There are fireworks going off all over the place. People are just lighting lighting them in the middle of the street. And we've had a good night. It's like two in the morning. And my partner like just suddenly gets this look on her face and we walk over and the building across the street from us is on fire. (laughs) Because a firework launched into the air and landed on a construction at the top of it Mm. and set it on fire. And so we were watching people running around inside and we're like, oh my God, are they going to be okay? And then like tons of fire trucks were coming. But the and they couldn't reach it like they couldn't get the fire the the fire hose up there cuz the the building up. was too tall but uh th- there was a good picture of me standing next to this giant blaze kind of going looking that a little is the nonplussed. meme are you the
1: meme the <laughs> meme child who's like grinning as the, the 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 house is burning in the background
0: is that you i think i was like this <laughs> <laughs> oopsie cuz we were sending we were sending the picture uh, to our friends stateside and we were like well this is happening on New Year's just
1: oops that's Uh,
0: just a mishap i left the
1: stove on and i left a cigarette lit But
0: every year around new year's europe central europe just becomes this absolute war zone because of all the fireworks that's interesting it's very different they don't believe in fireworks safety so that's why they
1: have houses on fire (laughs) they they do launch fireworks like here in toronto on new year's which is funny because usually freezing And I don't know who's watching, but uh, one good thing about living off on the 15th floor of uh, apartment, I can rip off everyone else's uh, fireworks show
0: Just sit there with a Mm -hmm. beer and watch Mm -hmm. them all go off. Even the I can even see the professional ones put off by the city. This is a Drew RWX with his own nostalgia pit. This reminds me of the time I tried cocaine for the first time, and then watched an under-construction apartment
2: complex burn down. Unrelated cool story. Events. That would be
1: really ex- like, how <laughs> to do you, be
2: clear how- unrelated events?
1: <laughs> how that affect your viewing of a house burning down? Would be really excited about it, like, oh man, look at the house burn down! Oh, it's Whoa. over.
2: Whoa, <laughs> and that's
0: it. this week's episode of acts of blood god thanks so much for listening i've been your host kat bailey you can follow me on twitter at the underscore Bot. nani is at nani oxford and eric is at c with z s-e-a-m-o-o-s-i you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash blood god pod where we have tons of bonus content including our uh, xenoblade chronicles 3 spoiler cast which uh, everybody Really enjoyed Nadia and Eric did that one. We've been threatening to do it for quite a while <laughs> and now it's live over on the uh, Patreon and we're going to be doing Summer of Korra as well pretty soon. Uh, we record these episodes live for our Stars of Destiny and this week we were joined by Anthrax Bees, Drew RWX, Mango Alts, Nuclear Sandwich, Ruka, Supermoop, Teeps, Z Stern. Hi Z Stern, welcome. I haven't seen you around here before. And Cal L. And we're heading over to the post show. Right now, we're going to talk for a little while longer about whatever catches our fancy. Maybe I'll talk a bit about Fast 10. Maybe we'll talk about Tears of the Kingdom. But in the meantime, for Nadia, Eric, myself, thanks for listening. Happy adventuring.